Last week in episode 76, we had listener questions for our guest, Dr. Amy Barfield, about sleep issues, stress, and screen time. But you know, the majority of the questions that came in for Dr. Barfield were actually about thriving with ADHD. So that's our focus for today. You're listening to the Practically Speaking Mom podcast. I'm Val Harrison, mom to seven. Five of them are grown and two are still at home. I'm also a mother-in-law and a grandma too. God has given me a passion for encouraging and equipping moms in this worthy journey of motherhood. For the past 20 years at parenting events and moms groups, I've been privileged to meet many mamas who are doing their best to be intentional in loving their kids, preparing them for life, and loving the Lord too. It's my honor to bring you tools for the journey every week. You can find lots more resources on my website, practicallyspeakingmom.com. That's also where you can subscribe to receive my weekly email of a blog post and podcast, all sharing the same theme for that week. Intentional Moms, let's get started with building stronger families right now. Before we get into our listener questions for Dr. Barfield, let's take a quick look at a few famous people who have shared publicly about their life with ADHD. I'll bet you've heard of Ty Pennington. He is the host of Extreme Makeover Home Edition. He has found success in no small part due to his exuberant personality and high energy and enthusiasm that is so common with ADHD. On the show, you watch him build a house and give it free to a deserving family. I don't think I have ever watched an episode where I didn't cry. Here's another example. Former Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, who is in the National Football Hall of Fame, Terry Bradshaw, shares in his book, Keep It Simple, that he has struggled with ADHD throughout his football career. Here's another one. Have you heard the song, Mary Did You Know? Well, the author of that song is a well-known Christian comedian, Mark Lowry. Now, I was very impacted by his testimony when I was growing up. His testimony is all about growing up with ADHD. He uses his platform to bring hope, not only for those who have differences, but also he has shared the hope of Christ with millions throughout his career. Now, here's the deal, moms. The journey you and your child are on may be a very difficult path and even a lonely path for many of you. The difficulty and the loneliness does not mean that it is not a good path. Today, Dr. Barfield is going to give us a lot of great guidance for navigating this path more effectively to help our child thrive and shine with their gift of ADHD. Now, I do have a quick request. Will you please stick around after the Q&A session with Dr. Barfield, because I want to tell you about the most amazing person I know with ADHD. I'll share that at the end of today's podcast. So my interest started off with my brother has ADHD. 
And so growing up with him was a little bit different, just watching him kind of struggle and what he was medicated, not medicated. And so when I went to college and decided that I was going to do counseling, that was definitely an interest area of mine. It wasn't until I started my PhD program that I was able to get formal training in it. And I spent three years in an ADHD clinic where all we did was do assessments for kids ages five and up. And then after that, I kept it in my practice when I left in terms of assessment and started testing adults. And so 18 and up. And through that practice, I started developing an interest in, okay, so yeah, we have a diagnosis. Now, how are we going to treat it? What's going to help these people that's just not medication-based? And so over the years, I've sought out different trainings and resources to help people deal with those symptoms through childhood and adulthood. Okay. I'm so excited then for these mamas to get some good help and advice from you today. I know it's not the same when we just have a little question and you don't really get to hear from the mom and be able to ask additional questions to clarify and things, but we'll just do what we can here for them. This first one, Jennifer says, what are some of the less obvious ways that it can present itself, that ADHD can present itself? So I see a lot of the undiagnosed ones with the kid who's basically good and quiet in the classroom and it's not a real big behavior problem, but just seems to struggle with grades or just starts having later in life this attitude of school's not fun. I don't want to do this especially in the reading areas, you should see it first in reading because reading requires attention and it's hard. And so often those quieter good kids get missed where it's the one who's bouncing off the wall and can't sit still for more than 30 seconds that goes, oh yeah, that's an ADHD kid. And so it's those kids who just are quiet, but kind of silently struggle, maybe seeing their grades slip. A lot of times you'll also see some just anxiety and feeling just comments of, I don't, I'm not good in school or I'm just not good enough, or having some problems with peer relationships and just not feeling confident in themselves and just kind of checking out. It seems like there could be so many things that could make a child quiet and starting to, you know, their grades to slip or, you know, not clicking with friends, those kind of things. What would be some indications to you that those are ADHD issues? So that gets a little complicated and would recommend like a formal evaluation where you look at multiple areas of life, but if they're different in one environment than any other environment, it could be something specific to that environment. But if they're having similar problems, no matter who they're with or what they're doing, that's a little bit more of a global problem that could be attention-based. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Well, another question from Jennifer, what are some practical ways to help a child self-manage so that they can successfully complete tasks without getting sidetracked. I actually had multiple moms that asked that question. You know, and the tips for that are the same for anybody. (laughs) So being very concrete and specific, especially if your kid has ADHD, giving them a list of three or four things might be too much. And so one task at a time and being very specific about the expectations. So if you say, hey, go clean your room that's probably means something very different to you than it does to them. And so telling them, okay, pick up everything off your floor is a little bit more specific and having them just do one task at a time and making sure when you're giving your instructions, you have eye contact with them and they can repeat back to you what they just said. Immediacy is really, really important, especially if it's ADHD and attentive type. 
um, because they are very present focused. If you say, hey, don't forget next week you have to do X, Y, and Z, two hours later, they're not going to remember that conversation. And so having frequent reminders about upcoming things, technology has been kind of great with that because you can set an alarm and just have those repeat things, but giving one task at a time and being very specific about what you expect and the time frame you expect it in can really help with some of those follow through on task. And as the kid gets older, you can start expecting them to kind of take that over for themselves. So teaching them how to use an alarm system, teaching them how to keep a notebook with them with all their tasks and keeping up with it themselves and just reminding them to use those supports that they have. That's awesome. Yeah. So what I really hear a lot of what you're saying is that as moms, we need to have really good communication skills, the eye contact and seeing if they can repeat it back to us to help us know if, if they're capable of doing this task or not, if they can't even repeat back the three things, then they for sure aren't going to be able to handle, remember to do them. So Sounds like a lot of that is getting really tight on our communication skills as as moms. The next mom says, this is from Barbara, how can it affect relationships, siblings, friendships? What does she need to keep her eye on regarding relationships because of ADHD for her child? So just kind of seeing how your kid interacts with other kids. Um, A lot of times with ADHD, there's a lot of need for stimulation. And so if they're playing like a board game, your child with ADHD might have a really hard time completing that task if it's taking more than just a couple of minutes, or if they're not really enjoying the game, their brain's going to go somewhere else. So this is a good point. You are suggesting then if they know ahead of time that I get bored or distracted with board games then maybe I should bring a board game with me that I know I would get less distracted on, you know, if I'm going to a friend's house or giving them activities to do while they're playing the board games. And the other part of it is going to be helping your kid understand those the kind of social cues. A lot of times with ADHD, because it's so in the moment and instant gratification, there's not a whole lot of forward thinking of, you know, how might this come across? Or if I say this now, could it hurt someone's feelings? Like all that stuff that a lot of people go through about how to have that just basic social interaction and ADHD brain is just reacting. And so sometimes they'll say things without thinking and it can be taken the wrong way by peers. Sometimes they can just be very impulsive in that decision-making and not say, well, this probably isn't the best idea for me to do. And so watching for some of that and just helping to build those communication skills with other people, talking about how this behavior might've impacted other people. How do you go back and mend relationships because something was done impulsively? There's a lot of that that can really help with the social aspect of the inattentive type. Yeah, that's great. I know for some of my kids, I had to, I literally scheduled about three times a week that in the young years, I called it manners practice. But then as they got a little bit older, it was social skills practice, but they just needed some extra of that. And so I just started watching for manners books, you know, at stores or garage sales or whatever, so that I had a a pretty good collection of them. And then we could just take a page or two from any manners book and talk about it, role play it, different scenarios so that they got comfortable with always considering the other person. Does ADHD hinder memory? This is another question that was 
common with listeners asking me to ask you, is this connected to memory? Memory is two parts. You have a long-term memory and short-term memory. And with ADHD, you can often see some impairment in your short-term memory. So it's kind of the in one ear out the other phenomenon where you're like, I just told you this and they don't remember it. And it's not that they weren't listening at the time. It's just that something else took that spot in the brain for processing. And so there is a little bit of a short-term memory thing. And that's why parents get so frustrated. Like I've told you this a hundred times and you probably have told them a hundred times and they've listened. And it's not that they are intentionally ignoring you. It's just, that's not the forefront of their brain in that moment. Okay. So one of the moms had said flashcards, for example, or learning multiplication skills, She feels like she's done this a million times over and over again. And for a while, he will learn it and remember it. And then pretty soon he doesn't remember anymore. And so do you think there's more going on there than just ADHD? There could be, especially if they had it for a little while and then they didn't. Sometimes it does take way more repetitions than some another student or another, even another sibling. Sometimes it just needs more repetitions. Sometimes it could be an underlying learning disorder that needs to be evaluated and treated. I find that if you're having problems retaining information, having the child do about 15, 20 minutes of moderate exercise, so kind of getting that heart rate up a little bit, it releases dopamine in the brain. And that's kind of the activating pathway that your stimulant medications work on. And so having a little bit of that for about 15, 20 minutes, getting the heart rate up, getting that physical energy out can help prep the brain for a little bit more learning experience. I love that. You know, I homeschool and something that I figured out, I have four girls and three boys and, you know, doing the school thing, especially in the younger years, they're so active and easily distracted. And I totally found that if I would schedule 15 minutes of focused academics and then five minutes of some form of exercise, they did so much better. And so this makes sense. What what you're saying makes sense to me. They just, things would click that wouldn't click if I wouldn't give them frequent physical activity. Yeah. And there's some kids who have sensory issues. And so movement while learning, so walking on a treadmill or an ellipt, uh, some kind of like stationary object, you don't want them just free roaming around the house or even a chair that just kind of spins. Sometimes just having that movement while you're learning helps the brain focus and transfer it into that long-term memory. And wow. sleep also plays a big part of that. If your kid's not sleeping well, your long-term memory storage from short-term to long-term happens during sleep. And so if you're not hitting the right levels of sleep for the periods that you need to, your brain's going to have a harder time learning. That is good information. So we'll move on to the next one, Suzanne. She's asking about, and this a little bit goes back to the technology issue, teens, ADHD, and technology. What are some tips for managing that combination? So you kind of have family values around how technology is going to be used and when I see a lot of families just kind of over rely on it and teenagers are not really self-regulating it. So they'll stay up to two or three in the morning on their phones, watching TikToks or talking to their friends and not sleeping. And so there's having a conversation once again about, you know, well, we expect you to put your phone up at a certain time or even having a place in the home where everyone drops their phone off at a certain time or agreeing that, okay, during dinner, no one's going to have their cell phone out. 
having conversations about how to use social media responsibly and some of those expectations around it. And once again, especially if you have ADHD, clear and concrete with predictable consequences is really important for helping those teenagers make those decisions on how they're going to behave around that. Yeah, all of electronics come into our room at night and we have an agreement. We actually have them sign and then we use that as regular accountability. That agreement includes things like what happens if something you come across something on your screen that isn't okay. It can definitely happen accidentally too that they come across stuff. But anyway, different accountability questions so that we're gradually helping them learn how to self-regulate through some of our accountability questions as well. And as they are faithful and honest and open with us, then we gradually increase their freedoms and things. So anyway, just sharing that in case any of that helps this mama. Okay. Another ADHD question from Krista. How do you know when it's ADHD and not ASD? Can you tell us what ASD is? I think she's referring to autism spectrum disorder. Okay. Um, kind of changed in how the field has defined it over the past couple of years. And really for that, you're going to need to go to a a testing specialist, someone who's really familiar with that. Um, Usually with Asperger's um, spectrum type things, you're looking at early language development issues. So a child who's not speaking and meeting those developmental milestones or just having some very specific behaviors um, that a, a behavior specialist can kind of take a look at. There can be both ASD and ADHD, um, but that would really be something to kind of check into with a a specialist who does testing with those different age groups. So her second question with that is, should parents have a different approach based on whether it's ADHD or ASD? Absolutely. Um, Usually with ASD, the brain will treat social cues very differently. Um, There's a lot of overlap because an ADHD brain is probably just going so fast that it misses things, which with an ASD brain, you might be a little bit more rigid in your interpretation of things. But that would be something to talk with a behavior specialist or a counselor who specializes in the autism spectrum. And that could help with the ADHD issues just as well. Okay. This next mom, she has seven and 12 year old boys. They both have ADHD. They take medication for it. She says, I have to parent completely different when medicated versus unmedicated. How much should we hold them accountable when unmedicated? My oldest makes some very poor choices before his meds kick in and is full of deep, deep regret once his meds kick in. Yeah, that's so hard, especially when they are trying so hard and there's just that part of their brain that doesn't want to cooperate. Some suggestions could be talking with the doctor about when they take their medication. There's actually some out there on the market right now that you can take before bedtime, but because of the delayed reaction in the system, it doesn't really kick in until you're getting ready to wake up. And I've seen a lot of parents who have that problem, waking their kids up in the morning, getting them going. A lot of behavior problems when they first get up, have a lot of success with the more delayed onset of their medication. And it it is hard if they're not medicated and they know that some of these choices aren't completely under their control, but working with them and setting up a very concrete, predictable routine 
to help kind of get them into that next session. So if, if they're having some behavior problems that are kind of repeating, we'll make a plan for the morning, like have an outline and routine, like, Hey, so this is what you're going to do first. This is what you're going to do second and try to structure all that free time until that medication kicks in. That way they kind of can follow a pattern to protect them against some of those impulsive choices that can happen. That's great. So here's another question. I have a 12 year old sixth grader, very high functioning on the spectrum. Original diagnosis was Asperger's at three. He has major executive functioning challenges. Now that school work life is becoming more challenging with deadlines and testing more intense as he gets older, she needs to know some resources or advice of how to help set him on a path to success. Could you give a bit of an answer for if they're in public school or in a bit if they're at home school? Sure. Okay. If the student is in public school, working with the school and the counselor about some formal accommodations, which might mean having some frequent breaks, especially during tests, if they get frustrated and they just need to calm down or being in a private room to kind of limit those distractions, Sometimes you can have accommodations to where the kid can take it in a private room and have all the breaks that they need. So it's not a time to test. And that can really kind of help the kid if he has some self-calming skills to take those breaks as they need to. Um, Having tutors and helps and those types of supports. And the school district has it, even having a one-on-one para to help through some of that kind of just to check in with the kid and say, hey, and providing any of the help that they can, like reading a test question. Sometimes it's allowed just to read the test, and that's a stressor that is off the kid. But looking for any of those accommodations that can help, and then working on kind of emotional regulation for those frustrations. If it's homeschooled and you have a little bit more flexibility, alternating your difficult topics with your easier topics and scheduling frequent breaks and just kind of downtime for the kid to blow off steam or just relax and in between periods and making those hard topics a little bit shorter in duration, but repeating more frequently. Good stuff. And maybe it would be encouraging for these moms to know that even when it comes to ACT tests and even in college, if they have a diagnosis, they can be given accommodations and and are required to be given accommodations. So there is help along the way. Ultimately, mom, do what is best for your child right now so that steps just improve one step at a time. Sometimes as moms, we get so stressed out thinking about the future. You know, am I going to help this child be able to function as an adult? And that's important as part of being intentional, planning ahead and thinking long-term because sometimes we get so stressed out about that long-term vision that seems impossible to us right now. And instead, sometimes we just need to just take them one step of improvement and one more step of improvement and maybe look a little less at the long-term. Absolutely, because there's going to be supports everywhere. And teaching your kid how to work through those frustrations and calm down and just that resiliency of, okay, like, yeah, this is hard, but I can do it. And we're going to keep going taking those breaks and teaching them how to work through that frustration gets them so much further than figuring out, okay, what's the, you know, 12 times 12. Yeah. Being a kid's hard. Being a kid with ADHD is harder and having all those moments because a lot of times their self-esteem kind of takes a hit because it is hard and they know it's hard. They know they're different. 
And it can feel like the parent, like I'm always on them for their negatives. Like, don't do this. Don't do that. You got to work harder at this. And it can feel kind of defeating as a parent to constantly feel like you're that negative voice. And so trying to be intentional with that positive reinforcement, even for the small things and just giving them praise every chance you can, even on those little small, small things that you go in your brain, like I shouldn't have to praise this. Yeah, they need that. They need that so much. And you need that as a parent to be able to give them the good stuff too. That is great. I love this. Well, thank you so much for pouring into these mamas. And I would love for the moms who live in Texas, who would like to reach out to you, if you could tell them how to do that, because you're licensed in Texas. So only Texas moms would be able to reach out to you, but you can meet with them online as well as in person. Right now I can, if their insurance allows it and they want like formal services with me, if their insurance allows it, I can do telemed services right now. Okay. And how would they reach you? So the easiest way to reach me right now, because I'm kind of getting ready to transition my practice would be to reach out to me through a underscore stag, S-T-A-G-G at yahoo.com. I know it's my maiden name and my old email, but that's the one I check pretty much every other day. And so that would be an easy way to reach me through the next few months. And then I can share my practice information as I get it. Or I work for Colm and Carney in Texarkana, Texas. You can look me up through their website for the next few months. Yeah, Amy is in the middle of a move and she was still willing to meet with us. So I appreciate that. Hey, how have you liked the Practically Speaking Mom ministry? You know, have you found benefit through the podcasts or blogs? Or I know you're a member of the Intentional Mom Strong Family Group as well. So yeah, what role has the Practically Speaking Mom ministry played in your life? Well, I absolutely love how encouraging and genuine you are. Being a mom's hard. I never thought I was going to be a mom. And now that I am a mom, I'm like, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. And just having a place to, I, I listen to you when I go running in the mornings, which has not happened in the past couple of weeks because it's cold, but that's my, that's my downtime. And that's where I just listen. And I found that your podcasts have been so encouraging and just good reminders of, yeah, there, there's some things that I could do better and I can be intentional with, but there's also uh, the one that spoke to me the most was kind of that self-care episode where it's okay. It's not selfish just to take a few moments for yourself because then you're just able to pour out that much more into your kids' lives. Yeah. Well, so we're glad that you're part of the Intentional Mom Strong Family community as well. So thank you. Can I tell you about the most amazing person with ADHD that I've ever met? It's my dad. And my grandmother, when she was alive, she used to have so many stories to tell about raising him. He would often do impulsive things that weren't exactly the best ideas ever. And she used to worry about the future of this child. Here's just a couple of examples of the stories she would tell. He caught a snake and he used it to scare his dad and the preacher. Another day when his mom and sisters were in the hen house collecting eggs, he thought it'd be a good idea to lock them inside, and he just thought it was great fun to hear them pounding on the door to get out. Now, when he was around six years old, he went out and got on his dad's tractor. Somehow, he turned it on and he drove it actually crashed it into a small canyon. And it was a total miracle that he didn't die in that accident. 
God spared that little boy with ADHD because he had a plan for his life, a unique message that could go to the world best through my dad. You see, once he was grown up, he was that guy. He was the guy who would get up before dawn every Sunday morning. I would ride with him in the church's bus all over our little town and in the country roads too to ask parents if they wanted us to bring their kids to Sunday school every week. One house in particular stands out in my mind. And do you know that little girl who would ride the bus with me every Sunday morning that my dad brought to church? That little girl, 45 years later, She still attends church and brings her family. He was also that guy who I watched literally give a car to a family. He said they needed it more than we did, and we were very poor. One summer, a man came through our little town who was riding his bicycle across the country. Well, our town didn't have a hotel, so of course my dad let the man stay at her house. I can remember listening to dad and this stranger talking for hours about their lives. And then I remember the next morning, dad making several sandwiches for this man to take on the road with him. And while he made the sandwiches, he told the man about Jesus. Then there was this time when one of my kids had a baseball game that my dad was planning to attend, and he never showed up. Now, this was before cell phones, and I couldn't call to check on him while I was at the game. But as soon as I got home, I gave him a call, and he told me he was sorry he didn't make it, but he had spent the evening at the hospital. Well, I asked him if he was all right, and he told me, oh, it wasn't for me. When I went to get in the car to go to the game, a man was walking down the street who was clearly drunk. We talked a while, and he said he would like God to help him get sober. Now, Dad didn't tell me this part, but I'm quite certain, knowing my dad, that he asked the guy if he wanted God's help to get sober. Well, Dad went on to explain. He said, so we knelt down right there in my driveway by the car, and we prayed together. Then I told him I would take him to the hospital to check him into a rehab if he would let me. The guy agreed. So I took him, and that was why my dad missed the ball game. You see, my dad's ADHD didn't hold him back. It was part of what made him who he is. And who he is, is a world changer. My dear mom friend whose child has ADHD, your road, their road, may be a difficult one, but it's a good road. It's their path to changing the world. It's an honor to meet with you every week to help equip and encourage you in your worthy journey of being mama to your masterpiece. If this podcast is a blessing to you, won't you please take the time to share it with moms that you know. So share this podcast with a friend and then head over to practicallyspeakingmom.com to subscribe to my weekly email containing a blog post and podcast. Join me on Instagram at practicallyspeakingmom and in the private Facebook group, Intentional Mom Strong Family. See you next week.